0: you're listening to world of empowerment radio your station for practical spirituality in a changing world and here are your hosts angel rose and ahanu
1: okay angel rose and everybody you're very very welcome and we have a very special guest on our show today paul davidson paul is the author, co-author actually, of a book called An Atheist in Heaven, The Ultimate Evidence for Life After Death.
2: Hannah, who would think that an atheist would be allowed into heaven?
1: Well, you see, this is what I find absolutely wonderful about this conversation, because in the last numbers of podcasts that we've done, we've talked about life after death in various forms. And you know, of course, that one of the most controversial ones that we've done was is the tunnel of light a trick? Mm. You know how people were worried that after death maybe they were going to be usurped or kidnapped or hijacked. Hijacked, yeah.
2: To another dimension.
1: Yeah, or sent back, you know, or whatever. Mm. And this was a real interesting subject of conversation. And so we ended up speaking with Paul Davids, uh, who co-wrote this book called An Atheist in Heaven with Gary Schwartz, who's a PhD, along with John Allison, PhD also. Now I love this subject because it's one of the things that up to now has been subjective. You know, we've we've believed through our religions, through our upbringings, through our teachers, through whatever means, that there was a life after death. But there was no way of ever knowing for sure, for real.
2: Well, except for people who have near-death experiences and come back to say what happened to them.
1: I know, but in that case, they haven't actually died. or Well, they may have died...
2: Clinically, clinically they have. perhaps,
1: mm. but in a sense that they're not gone from us, you know, they come back, but they're, it's within a certain time frame, you know, a reasonable time frame. But in this case, we're talking about Paul Davids, whose longtime friend actually died, and
2: who was an atheist, who was an
1: atheist, but before he died, he made this promise that he would get in touch.
2: Mm-hmm. If, if he was, was a, if if was he, a heaven.
1: <laughs> if he was wrong. <laughs> or if he was wrong. But
2: didn't Houdini do that too? And At Houdini, least. I think, from what I heard, did never not.
1: contact. Yeah, never contact. Yeah,
2: maybe that's because Houdini went to hell. Do you think so, <laughs> Who knows?
1: Who knows? <laughs> but, you know, I, I'm looking forward to this conversation because, you know, for those numbers of different reasons, and not only that, but for the first time, for us, we've got some kind of a c- concrete evidence because let me read to you the the beginning the, the introduction to paul davids and where about this book came from and it shows it'll show to us you know the amount of research actual scientific research that they went through in order to arrive at these conclusions and this is just fairly recent it was written on the april april 4th 2016 Award-winning filmmaker is contacted from the beyond, scientific evidence of life after death. Paul Davids, noted producer, writer, director, artist and documentarian, has found himself receiving communication from his mentor, Forrest J. Ackerman, since Ackerman's passing in 2008. There have been witnesses and physical evidence. With Gary Schwartz, PhD, an internationally known expert and author on afterlife research, David was compelled to write a new book called An Atheist in Heaven, The Ultimate Evidence for Life After Death. And notice, Angel Rose, that he's got a question mark after that title as well. Does
2: that mean he still doubts it at all?
1: I think he leaves it open to the, the general public, to the readers, to actually arrive at their own conclusions. In other words, he's not being dictatorial about this, yeah. he's just putting forward his own research. Mm-hmm. And this recounts his story in hair-raising scenes and details that challenged the sceptical community. Indeed, uh, there is one sceptic that he mentions and we'll talk about him in due course too. But Forrest J. Ackerman was a founder of science fiction-based Phantom who coined the term sci-fi and was a Pied Piper for its devotees and he was a committed atheist. He was also a firm disbeliever in any afterlife. However, he did promise to drop a line if it turned out that he was wrong. He not only dropped a line to David's but he has been at the center of over a hundred instances of unexplained phenomena in the past eight years, many of which have undergone chemical and other forms of technological testing by top university scientists. At Gary Schwartz's laboratory for advances in consciousness and health at the University of Arizona, Dr. Schwartz discovered that Ackerman's messages were scientifically measurable and he reports on studies using state-of-the-art sensors linked to computer software to obtain responses from spirits including those of the late Ackerman and others. Also, chemistry professor John Allison, PhD of Michigan State University and the College of New Jersey, reports on a three-year effort to reproduce the first Ackerman, Inc. message, which not only could not be done, but which was accompanied by repeated paranormal incidents. And in fact, we got to you know, tell our listeners to expect that in the conversation today, we might have some unexpected interruptions too.
2: We could, Hanno. absolutely.
1: Absolutely, but look, let me just finish this quickly because it's an important little piece of background that we need to know about. And that is that the, the 150 unexplained anomalies during those eight years since Ackerman's death, are written in this book and it's a breakthrough in afterlife evidence that's sure to excite the followers of afterlife research and intrigue scientists who are experts in many fields from psychology to chemistry. And also, by the way, uh, Paul Davids made a documentary called The Life After Death Project. So he, it spawned a whole bunch mm-hmm. of other activities for him about the extraordinary messages and his friendship with a- a- Ackerman, which was broadcast by NBC Universal on Sci-Fi. And remember that Paul Davids also is one of Lucasfilm's Star Wars sequel book authors and having written, produced, or directed more than a dozen feature films and documentaries, Paul himself said, This book is about a remarkable man whom I knew and loved for more than 50 years, and who has been sending me messages since he passed away. I have come to believe this based on precise and provable incidents that, as it turns out, challenge scientific knowledge and theory. So, Anger Now, is this going to be scary? Are we going to be talking about something frightening after death?
2: I don't know. We'll have to see. Uh, We certainly know that many do, a lot of phenomena does happen after people die. Some of it is scary. Some of it is not. Some is very comforting. Yeah. So we'll have to see what Paul has to say. So let's get him on the line because I can't wait to talk to this man.
1: Hey, Paul.
0: Hi, I did reach you. I thought I was going to have trouble.
1: Oh, good, good, good. Coming in loud and clear. Paul, you're very, very welcome. Indeed, it's great to have you on the show, a man of your experience and a man with the experience of all of this life-after-death stuff. We've had quite a number of people on our show that have had near-death experiences, but none that have actually had the kind of communication that you've had. Can you give our listeners a little bit of a background as to how this all arose in the beginning?
0: Well, um, I had a... Very close friendship with Forrest J Ackerman, we call him Fari, okay. uh, that spanned many decades since I was a boy of 13. And uh, Fari was a famous magazine editor. Uh, I loved his magazine Famous Monsters when I was a kid. And when I came to Los Angeles I studied at the American Film Institute and I forged a career in television and film over the years. And Fari, who was born back in 1916, was one of the foremost promoters of science fiction from the very early days when it was considered a fringe interest. He was an atheist, and that's why um, Gary Schwartz and I call our new book An Atheist in Heaven. Some people see the title and they said, oh, are you an atheist? And I said, well, no, it's it's not me. It's my friend Forrest J. Ackerman. Uh, who I call Fauri. And Fauri was quite clear about his renunciation of uh, ideas about uh, uh, God, angels, heaven, life after death, uh, the paranormal, ghosts, even UFOs. He he was pretty close-minded toward all of it, but Mm -hmm. he uh, admitted toward the end of his life and the end of his life was in December of 2008, at age 92, uh, he conceded to me that if it turned out that he was wrong about uh, entering the great blackness of nothingness upon death, and uh, he said, well, if I wake up to a big science fiction convention in the sky,
2: <laughs>
0: uh, he said, then I'll you know I'll have a reunion with all of my
1: favorites. Uh, um, but uh, then... Oh, we lost you there, Paul. Little skip on the line, can you... Can you hear us? Hello? Hold on while we get the call back. Okay, we got you back, yeah. What happened? No, know that just... <laughs> there's there's evidence of... <laughs> yes, is
2: he wanting to be on the interview today?
1: Are you still there, Paul? Hello? Yeah, we can hear you. Hi.
0: Did I get you back? You got well, us no. back.
1: That yeah. is the strangest bit of phenomena. I have to say, we've never had trouble like that with any of our interviews. <laughs> okay.
0: it's it's interesting because I didn't it happen just when he was saying that he would drop me a line.
2: Yes,
0: yes. <laughs> <laughs> he meant it literally, did he? Just you know, like, yeah. you know, you might you might incorporate this into your yeah. your show because you know yeah. these yeah. kinds of things. It's like. Um, Yesterday, I mailed a copy of our book, An Atheist in Heaven, to someone who you know, very much wanted to read it quickly, uh, who's going to be doing an interview with me, too. And as I was leaving the post office and I got into my car, uh, my iPod behaved in the strangest way. I mean, it shut itself off. I couldn't turn it on. I couldn't do anything with it. And then a minute later, it turns itself on and it goes to a song that I wasn't playing <laughs> which is by Vampire Weekend. Oh, my God. Now, I told you that Fari was the editor of Famous Monsters magazine. He was. Yes. And he does those kinds of things. I've had my iPod, after I have a conversation with somebody about Fari, switch itself to Phantom of the Opera.
1: Uh. Wow, that's incredible. <laughs> you know, I love those kinds of things. I mean, we call them synchronicities and coincidences and that but they happen so often that you can't, we certainly can't dismiss them anymore, and I know you can't. But here's a, here's a question that puzzles me, though. Paul, your friend, Fari, you mentioned that he was into monsters and all that, so he obviously, he, he obviously did have a very fertile imagination. Absolutely. So how come do you think that he, his imagination didn't extend to the possibility of afterlife? Why do you think he closed it off at death like that?
0: okay I haven't completely finished answering your previous yeah. question which is exactly you know what happened that the right. contact started but sure uh, let me answer this one um, you know he developed a lot of resentment toward religion as a kid um, sure. and his um, his parents tried with him you know they took him to churches of you know seven different branches of Christianity plus uh, um, a synagogue right. and none of it did any good and his grandparents were they were uh, into spiritualism. You know, his his uh, paternal, his maternal grandparents mm-hmm. um, had an interest in um, Ouija boards and you know that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's interesting because Fari always uh, would explain to visitors to his house, which was like a museum of science fiction. He'd explained that uh, there was a Ouija board prediction um, from his uh, maternal grandparents, a session they had uh, that yielded information that resulted in uh, a major success for his grandfather's career as an architect. Hmm. And it, it had to do with the decision for his grandfather to take the job of designing what we call the Bradbury Building in Los Angeles. It doesn't have to do with Ray Bradbury. The Bradbury Building in its day was a very modern building and uh, was used for filming uh, you know, a number of science fiction films. So there was the sort of the mixed background, he rejected conventional religion, uh, he came to reject um, spiritualism, uh, he represented the founder of uh, Scientology, uh, L. Ron Hubbard, as a book writer for a while. And he could have gotten in on Scientology on the ground floor. You know, he could have had a piece of the action on it and uh, you know, retired very, very rich. And uh, what I heard was that at the first meeting where L. Ron Hubbard was laying the whole thing out, that Fari ran from the meeting as fast as his legs would carry him. <laughs> was it for him? Yes. And then he, he had a lot of cynicism as a result of the genocide during World War II. You know, he would say, uh, if there's an almighty God who allowed the Holocaust to happen, you know, I wouldn't want him as my friend. <laughs> wouldn't wouldn't want to know him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't bother me. Yeah, so he had, he had that was – you know, he was very sarcastic. Yeah. He had a great sense of humor, which was important in all of this because his brand of humor was part of what came to life – in terms of these things that happened that I call communication after he passed away right so,
1: so so go back to your the previous question then how did you get involved in the sense of exploring this life after death possibility how did what happened to lead up to that
0: okay well it had um, it, let me call it a three-step process all right two of the steps involved Fari and one of them did not uh, the first one was way back in 1983, when Attorney F. Lee Bailey had a television show called Lie
1: Detector, and I were. I think we have another gremlin on the line, Angel Rose. Isn't that strange? Are we back? Yeah, we're back. <laughs> All right. I can't believe this. All right. Well, I was telling about Lie
0: Detector and the F. Lee Bailey show Lie Detector. Yes. And uh, as a segment uh, coordinator or segment producer, I brought in Dorothy Allison, a psychic from New Jersey, who was a psychic detective really for real. I mean, she had a large folder of letters of commendation from police departments of how she had helped them solve various crimes. Often it had to do with locating the corpse of somebody who had been murdered whose body had never been found and she'd been successful in this in amazing ways of course she passed our lie detector from that moment on in 1983 i thought there's got to be something to this that that she she, she didn't commit these murders herself right. you know obviously she was getting information from uh apparently from murder victims um and then putting that to good to good use. So it suggested there had to be a continuance of life after death and there had to be the possibility of contact between spirit. And this to me seemed like some uh, pretty good evidence for it. But that was 1983 and I kind of dropped it. I didn't pursue it. Uh, I was off on all kinds of other topics. I mean, as, as you know, UFOs came into my life late in the Uh, 1980s, and I I produced the film Roswell, and I made a film um, about shamanism Mm -hmm. and uh, Jesus's um, possible journey to India during the missing years and the history of science fiction. That film was called The Sci-Fi Boys, and it was about Fari's contribution, among others, to the growth of science fiction and special effects. So did all of these different topics and life after death didn't even occur to me as something that I would pursue until Fari passed away. And then I said it was a three-part process. So number two was that at the uh, the day of the tribute for Farry, we had a huge tribute for him in Hollywood at the Egyptian Theater. Every seat was filled, many speakers, some of them very famous, you know, like Ray Bradbury, and uh, um, Guillermo del Toro, the director, and Peter Jackson checked in from New Zealand. And I was honored to be one of the speakers as a producer of uh, films who had been inspired by Fari from a very young age. So at the tribute, they had brought in two producers from Canada who'd made a biography of Fari, a documentary that they were going to show that night. And these... Producers, uh, Canadians, Mike McDonald, Ian Johnston, uh, they had gone to his crypt before and had playfully knocked on his crypt and announced their presence, that they'd come from Canada, they were going to show the movie. So it was rap, rap, rap on the crypt and a little banter. And they did it in a spirit of fun. They meant, you know, no disrespect. And they knew for a sense of humor. Yeah. So they reported, they told me that they... Heard from Fari within an hour of knocking on his script. Wow! And and it happened through their computers. They were staying in a hostel in Hollywood, and they had their two computers side by side on a bureau in their room. And one of them was logged on, and the other one uh, was uh, asleep. One was logged on. Mike McDonald tried to post something, a blog, and a CAPTCHA code came up. You know, they use those CAPTCHA codes with the squiggly letters and numbers. Yes, and they're to hard to sure, read sometimes. Yeah, to make sure it's a real human being. Yes. And not and not a spam. Yeah. So what came up as the CAPTCHA code was uh, Ackerman's name spelled correctly. It was Ackerman and then 000. Oh,
2: <laughs> and, gosh. So Reminds
0: me the were, movie
1: Ghost, doesn't it?
0: They were dumbfounded. I mean, because you know they just gone rap, rap, rap on his crypt. Yeah, the
1: chances and he, of that he, happening are so he, remote. I
0: mean, he comes back with Ackerman zero zero zero. Yeah, and then this is, was recounted to me: the computer that was asleep alongside, when they began talking about it, they made a comment, and and Ian Johnston said, well, you know, he, is he really dead?" His yeah. computer spoke back to him with a. A childlike voice uh, and said oh my gosh no way now that voice is part of an animated emoticon that you can find on YouTube a little smiley face he says oh my gosh no way and he rolls over and plays dead Jeez! Jeez. Wow! <laughs> That's but, pretty astounding. But, yeah. but his computer—it wasn't—it wasn't, it wasn't uh, logged on to YouTube, and it was asleep at the time. So he said his computer had no business speaking to him. Mm. Yes. It was a childlike voice, and he was using as his screensaver a photo of Fari as a four and a half-year-old child.
1: Oh, oh <laughs> right. I mean, this is growing more and more to the point where you can't you can't not believe this kind of evidence as it keeps coming up and I'm amused that uh, you know you were saying how you you knew uh, Forey for a long time and that he was an atheist but he still had a very fertile imagination but still up until 1983 you yourself didn't necessarily believe in the possibilities of life after death it seemed that it was after that lie detector test that it was the proof in other words it was the yeah. the Western mind it was that part of you that needed the physical scientific proof before well, you could actually go there
0: yeah I've always been that way now right. I'll say before 1983 I had done a lot of reading of uh, Paramahansa Yogananda wrote uh, autobiography of a Yogi yes yeah um, so he tried to combine Hinduism with Christianity when he came to the West and he founded the self-realization fellowship and he was an ardent believer in reincarnation. Mm-hmm. So I, I read about reincarnation and I read that, that there had been some studies about it and some very interesting cases. But none of it really completely gelled for me until these experiences started popping into my life. And uh, that, that came through Fari, uh, sort of tapping into my life with these uh greetings and uh a little strange hellos to let me know that he was still around now in our book an atheist in heaven by the way your listeners will want to know where to get it and i suggest amazon and it, it's it's both a hardback and it's a long one um hardback with a dust jacket or uh you can get it uh as an ebook, you know kindle yes
1: we will place a link to it beneath the book. Uh, the okay. yeah. So, uh,
0: at, at, at any rate, in An Atheist in Heaven, there's a glossary at the back of all of the strange things that have happened since uh, the first things began happening in March of 2009, a couple months after Fari died, just at the time of his tribute. And there's over 140 incidents that we talk about in the book. And now, not all of them relate to Fari, um, but probably my co-author Gary and I we we, we suppose that maybe nearly a hundred of them relate to Fari Ackerman. So, you know, I've come to the conclusion that life goes on after death; uh, that uh, spirit is real; that spirit can interact with us, and often doesn't do it you know maybe not in the direct ways that we would uh, like for example I've never had an apparition you know of uh, a deceased relative say appearing before me uh, that hasn't happened uh, I've I've never gotten a phone call from someone who was deceased where I could talk to them although my father-in-law when he passed uh, made two phone calls to someone at the home that he was staying in uh, that went to two different phones that the man had, and it, it said that it was Frank Goodman calling, this was about two hours after he died, on each phone, one mm-hmm. and then five minutes later the other, but there was no voice there, there was no one, right. no one there.
2: So Paul, catch it, catch us up, because I know we, we only have an hour today with you. Yeah. What was the first um, incident that happened with you and Forey?
0: I think it was maybe the most important, the first one because there was physical evidence. And as you pointed out, I do have a skeptical mind and I do require as much scientific confirmation as I can get for uh, something, a belief that might seem as unusual as this. Uh, It was uh, about a week after I heard from the Canadians about uh, the capture code of Ackerman 000 and oh my gosh, no way. Mm -hmm about a week later, I was in our vacation home in Santa Fe. My wife was not able to come with me on the trip. I was alone. Uh, the, the doors are locked and, uh, I printed out a document that, uh, got changed in a very mysterious way after it was printed. Uh, It was a 24 page document, a boring document of my phone calls, business related, uh, business meetings of the previous year. It was tax time, you know, I was gonna go over this thing. And I gave a print command and it was gonna take a while to print. So I left the house. I I came back about an hour and a half later.
1: Hello, are you still there, Paul? Are you there? Yeah, we got you now.
0: Okay, this is very strange that this keeps happening, isn't I it? Know, that our Skype I, connection keeps being disconnected, and you know we don't know why.
1: It's really strange, uh, and it's so unusual.
0: You know, I, it, it's frequent that there have been strange audio things that have happened when I've done interviews about Fari Ackerman. There was one time that um, that the whole signal, the whole broadcast network, went down in the middle of the the talk, and then when it came back on, people were reporting strange things that happened with their computers while the whole network was down. Um, <laughs> um, so uh, th- there has been a whole host of, whole host of uh, things. At any rate, I was telling you I printed a document. Uh, the document was ordinary. Um, I took it upstairs to the bedroom and I tossed it on the bed. I intended to get into bed and sort of go over it and look for things that might relate to the taxes. And I was in the bathroom for maybe five minutes. And when I came out of the bathroom, I looked at the document on the bed and immediately I could see that it had been changed. there was one line where there were words that were now blacked out very neatly and precisely by ink that was still moist oh, now wow. now i say i say ink but of course at that point i didn't know whether it was ink or paint or dye or yeah. some sort of solvent or i did i had no idea except i could see it was very precise and the first two words you could still kind of read but the second two words were completely blacked out yeah. so i didn't even know what they were at first
1: so this is the ink blot that you you speak about in yes. books right yes,
0: yes. We, we talk about it uh, as uh, the scientists call it an ink obliteration mm-hmm. now i think one of the things that i contribute to the life after death evidence that is uh, Specific and precise and I don't know of anyone else contributing something like this in this way I Treated this ink obliteration as evidence from the beginning. I didn't touch it um, Didn't let my finger get near it. Mm -hmm. I Let it dry when it was dry. I put it in a a sealed Mm ziplock and I soon got in touch with my cousin Jay Siegel, Dr. Jay Siegel, who is one of the most famous forensic chemists in in the world. You know, he's written so many textbooks about forensic chemistry and where chemistry is evidence in a crime. And he's testified in court many many times. And he's the he was at that time the chairman of the chemistry department of uh, Indiana University, Purdue University in Indianapolis. Um, so I called, uh, I called him and I told him about this really strange thing that had happened. And I asked him if he would do a chemical analysis on this and try to determine what it was, how it happened. And he agreed. It resulted in my flying the document to him in Indianapolis. And that began scientific studies where at first he... And his colleagues thought, well, they'll be able to solve this in a day. You know, can't be very complicated. He's a world-class expert on inks, paints, dyes, and solvents. Uh, But it ended up being a research project that lasted three years, and then they gave up. (laughs) They they gave up. Uh, He— He got a second uh, university involved. Well, it was Dr. John Allison, a chemist he'd been with at Michigan State University who was then at College of New Jersey. And they, they worked on it so hard and they could never reproduce it. They found out a lot about the ink obliteration and its chemistry, but there were things about it that never made sense to them as to how it could have been done. And as I say, using hundreds of solvents that they attempted. They could never reproduce this. So,
2: uh, so, Paul, did you go back and look at the original document on your computer to see what yeah. he actually blocked out?
0: Yeah, that was that was important. Uh, you know, the four words at first, it made no sense to me at first that it would be a message or that it meant anything. Uh, the words were, spoke to Joe Amadei. And what that was is on, on that date of that entry in this log, on the first page of the log from uh, 2008, I had called someone named uh, Joe Amade, who I, I didn't know. I'd never spoken to him before. It was recommended I call him to talk to him about a film distribution issue. Uh, he was a, a DVD distributor in New York. But I'd only spoken to him that once, and we didn't do any business together. And I hadn't spoken to him again, and I think it had been a couple years at that point. And so why why words spoke to Joe Amade? Why that? As mm-hmm. You see, it made no sense. It baffled me. It bothered me so much. I can't tell you how much it bothered me that I couldn't figure out why. You see, because if... If the message from beyond was that, uh, oh my gosh, that uh, Joe or one of his relatives had passed away or was in trouble, my reaction would have been, okay, that's sad, but why tell me? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not the guy to contact on that. Well, Ohano and Angel, I did figure it out. Uh, I think it took about a week uh, and it didn't come easily. But the thing is, it it revolves around the fact that Fari loved wordplay.
1: Ah. Uh,
2: like he's doing now, huh? Right. Playing with he's, Paul's he's done words. It again. Okay, go
1: ahead. He's done it again. Paul, you're gonna have to call back. Let's use this opportunity to there. take a studio break. And uh, Paul, just just stand by with us for a second because we're going to use this opportunity to take a quick little studio break. We've had that interference, but we've got you back now. And let's just quickly remind our listeners that we're speaking with Paul Davids, who's co-author of An Atheist in Heaven, along with Gary Schwartz, Ph.D., with John Allison, Ph.D., and it's called An Atheist in Heaven, the Ultimate Evidence for Life After Death. So... It can be found on Amazon. It can be found on Amazon. We'll put a link below, and we'll be right back after this break.
0: Years of research, thousands of profound statements, hundreds of sessions, miles of transcripts, months of listening, a vast archive of personal power and spiritual awareness awaits you. Join worldofempowerment.com today, a website of practical spirituality for your fast-changing world worldofempowerment.com.
3: And Gail Rose and Ahanu are a twin flame couple who devote their lives to helping you grow in spiritual awareness in an awakening world. Drawing on over 50 years of combined experience and expertise in self-mastery and ascension mechanics, they bring practical spirituality into a fast changing world so you can find truth and inner happiness. Ann Gale's spiritual journey began when she was just 19 after the tragic death of her first husband three months after their wedding. She dedicated herself to finding the answers to the deepest spiritual questions by journeying into the mysteries of the spirit world while exploring consciousness and its expansive potential. She spent years meditating and being taught by Archangel Raphael, who took her on many journeys into other worlds and planes of existence. Today, Anne Gale teaches her unique home study course on How to Read Akashic Records, Transformational Writing, Beginner Through Advanced Tarot, as well as authoring the books A Time of Change and The Nature of Reality, both transcripts from the Akashic Records. After the death of his firstborn son, Ryan Columbus, Ahanu wrote his epic work, The Reincarnation of Columbus, an Amazon number one bestseller, available from Amazon.com and The Reincarnation of Columbus.com. With his past in the oil field and computer industries behind him, but with grief and pain as grist for his soul, he practiced transcendental meditation to Siddha level awareness, unfolding his life as a visionary artist and spiritual teacher. He started his first organic holistic health farm in Ireland in 1993, which continues to this day as holistic, i.e. importing raw vegan health forest nutritionals for the Irish market He founded the World of Empowerment Organization and the Spirit of Love Project in 2009, offering a new dimension of spiritual and ancestral healing with his spiritual artwork. Ahanu's wide range of well-known metaphysical e-books have been published on Amazon, and his artist portfolio website Ahanu.com showcases hundreds of his spirit art, which are also available on FineArtAmerica.com. Ahanu is an author, artist, and motivational speaker, intuitive personal and business coach, publisher and radio host of the Honest to God series. Together Ahanu and Anne Rose have held workshops in manifesting, self-healing, working with homeopathic color remedies, beginner through advanced tarot, visionary art, psychic surgery, quantum jumping, how to read the Akashic records, and more through their weekly online Akashic Record Group sessions, podcasts, workshops, retreats and private business consulting, they have empowered thousands of people worldwide. For further information or to arrange an interview, book signing, speaking engagement, attend a workshop or home study course, or order a Spirit of Love painting or Akashic Records reading, please contact them from their website at worldofempowerment.com. That's all one word worldofempowerment.com or by phone in the usa at 224-588-8026
2: all right we're back now with paul and paul you were telling us about the wordplay play that uh, Forey used to use so tell us i can't wait i have to know what the meaning was
0: Okay. Well, you know, his wordplay of words within words, names within names, I found dozens of examples of it, and I had known about it since I was a kid reading Famous Monsters magazine because he would do it all the time. You know, his name was Ackerman, and and they would call him Ack, and uh, if Fari wanted to display something that was spectacular, you know, with big printing in the magazine, he wouldn't spell spectacular like you or I would spell it. He'd spell it. Spect Ack A C K in the middle. You know his uh, name see, yeah. in the middle. And uh, if he was talking about uh, the great special effects pioneer Ray Harryhausen, for example, he, he he signed one of his magazines to me that had an article about Ray Harryhausen, and he signed it "Hooray for Harryhausen." Hooray. But, the, hooray, yeah. but the word "Hooray" was spelled H O O hyphen R A Y. Yeah. And, you know, it was so ingrained in his personality to do this that as I researched his early science fiction writings that go back to 1940s, I even found a story that he wrote that used hooray, broken up, H-O-O hyphen R-A-Y, and at that point he was talking about a science fiction time machine, Ray, that could take you back into the past, and he spelled it who hyphen Ray. <laughs> so this was this was his thing. Right. So when I... I didn't realize it at at first, but the key name was uh, contained within Amodi. And uh, the way it dawned on me was uh, his caretaker for the last 10 years, who worked with all of his archives. I figured uh, his name was Joe, and I figured he would uh, maybe have some old manuscripts with annotations from Fari, if words he would blocked out, things he'd edited. So I could check the editing style to see did he ever do anything that looked like what I had. So I called uh, I called him up. His name is Joe Mo, and he was the one who had organized the tribute at the Egyptian Theater for Fari. And Joe began the conversation, not even letting me talk, saying, "I got to tell you, I got to tell you, you know I'm a skeptic like Fari was. I don't believe in this stuff, but I had an apparition of Fari." <laughs> After the tribute, he said he said he, uh, it, was, it was like he came to me in my room and uh, with a sense of humor uh, and in his own sly way, he, you know, he, he, he teasingly thanked me for the tribute. Joe told me what the exact words were. And he said, Paul, you know, it was as if Fari came and spoke to me. He said, but I don't I, I can't believe it. You know, I can't accept it. You know, I'm like Fari. I'm you know, I'm an atheist. How could this be? And when he said, uh, he spoke to me, I realized that the words blacked out of my document were spoke to Joe Amodi or Amode. Mm-hmm. and Joe Moe's name is right in the middle of Joe Amo. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly what Fari would always do. Yes, right. yes, yes. So, and he would expect me to know that, mm-hmm. you see, that's yes. the other part of it. Fari knew I knew him so well. Mm-hmm. That he could do something like that in code for me, and he would expect I would figure it out. As a matter of fact, he probably was very impatient for the week that it took me mm-hmm. to figure it out. Well, and and it, it, had to be, it had to be deliberate. It yes. absolutely had because the blackout was absolutely precise. The yes. scientists who studied it said those words were targeted. But you have to realize I was alone in the house. There was no one there physically who could have yeah. done it. So for me to take this ink to the scientists, let them study it, one of them, John Allison, began to have a uh, ghostly experience, I don't know, uh, paranormal, let's say, experiences <laughs> happening to him from the day he began studying this. Some of it caught on film, and I actually put it in an earlier film I made about this because I made a documentary called The Life After Death Project, came out in 2013 it was on sci-fi and it was my first exposure of uh, of this in documentary form to the world that all this stuff had happened with the inkblot and the research and the chemists and my visits to Gary Schwartz my co-author to study in his laboratory to study mediums to let mediums have a chance to see if they could bring Fari through and the results were fantastic all the results were fantastic it's how we feel a 500-page book. Don't worry if you've never read a 500-page book, because you know there's dozens and dozens of photos in here. Because you see pictures of all the people, all the evidence, the laboratories, everything that was what was done. But, mm-hmm. but it, I guess what I'm hoping is that my explanation here will make your listeners understand how. Now I'm convinced uh, that we go on after we die. I, I feel like I've been shown. It's not through a near-death experience like many people have had. It's nothing like that. But through this communication, it it has to be real. And no skeptic has even come close to explaining any of it. As a matter of fact, the chief skeptic in America, uh, head of Skeptic Magazine, <laughs> um, is uh, Dr. Michael Shermer, an author. Yes. And Did he contact
1: he, you about it.
0: Well, I had contacted him to put him in my documentary film to get his opinion back for the 2013 movie. And he wrote to me, he signed, when he saw the movie, he signed one of his books to Paul in respect of your honest search and integrity. And that's really important to me because he's saying I'm honest in my search and that I have integrity. This is not made up. And I really do resent it when someone goes onto Amazon, as you will find, and says, this is all just magician's tricks by a magician.
1: Yeah. Well, we get that all the time, Paul, too, because, for example, and it's very much in line with what we're discussing now, we, we did a, a little YouTube video, I think it was like 45 minutes, called, Is the Tunnel of Light a Trick? because there was this belief going around the place, and there was a lot of people disturbed by that possibility that they might be tricked after death, you know? And uh, we put out this little little video anyway, and the amount of distorted uh, comments and reviews on it, clearly coming from people who did not want to understand or were coming from a purely religious biased point of view, it's extraordinary. How, how people will not be willing to open their minds but this is one of the things that I absolutely admire about your book and the work that you've done and it's why Angel Rose and I wanted so clearly to get you on, on here to speak to our listeners is because there is this huge Western mind that everything must be scientifically proven and you've set out to do that and this is why obviously that skeptic complimented you because he, he really wanted to people to know that this was an honest disclosure
0: now if yes that, a- that 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 in in his view in his world you know you can you can disagree with my conclusions at that time you know he said he couldn't accept my conclusions but he couldn't explain any of this stuff he just said well just put it in a gray basket of stuff we doesn't don't understand but I can't jump from that to believe that there are spirits communicating With you again, you know, why why doesn't he pick up the phone and call you? You know if he's really around that kind of attitude and yet something then happened to dr. Shermer that he wrote about in scientific American Which was a similar experience that happened to him directly involving his fiance's uh, grandfather that he couldn't explain that was a synchronicity that uh, Involved a radio. It was completely bizarre. It shook him so much that he called his article there um when something happens that shakes your skepticism to the very core Mm -hmm. so it happened to him too and um you know i uh, i think that um there's another example i want to give you as we as we face this sort of this closed-mindedness this sort of chip-on-the-shoulder attitude of uh, those who completely subscribe to the Western mindset. And uh, there's a fellow named uh, Kerry. I won't mention his uh, last name, but he he too is a magazine publisher. He knew Fari. He too is an atheist and doesn't believe in any of this. Um, And he, he, I don't think he hasn't read the book. He just recently agreed to read the review of it that's in Psychic News now, an excellent, excellent review in the latest issue of Psychic News out of England. But Kerry uh, was with me and one other fellow that weird Fari Ackerman stuff was happening to. Um, We went to Fari's crypt to pay our respects all together and it was on one of the uh, was right around the time of one of his birthdays, after he passed away. So, obviously, after he passed away, we were going to his script. Now, he Fari would often write his name, 4-E, the number four and then an E. Okay. It's part of that whole wordplay thing. And then his life was based around bringing the virtues of special effects and the secrets of special effects in movies, and science fiction, to the world, one of the first people to uh, showcase that. Mm. And in in Hollywood, uh, FX, uh, special effects, it's always F, the letter F, and then X. Yes. Okay, so what was his life about? He was 4E who promoted FX, correct? Yeah. So while we're driving up to the crypt, a van swings in front of me with a license plate 4eFX. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and, 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 and the thing, Hanno, is that it, it, there's—you drive at Forest Lawn Glendale. You, it's very winding roads, and you could turn off ten different roads while getting to Fari Crypt. And this van took every road correct, leading us all the way up to the very last left turn before you go to Far East Crypt.
2: He definitely doesn't want to be forgotten, does he? No.
0: Now, my my friend Kerry, who is equally a skeptic, he was a bit shaken up by that when he saw it. He thought, oh, my God. He said, but of course, it's just a coincidence, right? Mm -hmm. Just a coincidence. Mm -hmm. Now, when the recent review came out in Psychic News, wonderful review. It goes on for pages with lots of color pictures about uh, an atheist in heaven. Uh, the third guy who was with us that day at the crypt, named Russell, uh, implored, you know, to his, his friend uh, Kerry, that Kerry had to read this review. I mean, Kerry was so close-minded, he didn't believe in this stuff, and just getting him to read a review about it in something called Psychic News was tough. Um, so. Kerry responded, he said, okay, okay. He said, no, I I printed it out. I'm going to read it. He said, I look forward to it actually because it's about Fari. And Fari was such a good friend. He says, but I, I can't understand why I can't get through to you guys who believe in all this mysticism, why you can't be logical. and scientific and rational in Mm -hmm. your approach to these things, (laughs) all right? That's what he said, and he has no idea that with scientists, I spent three years being logical and Mm -hmm. reasonable and uh, and rational, that I took the evidence to them, that it was studied, that things happened to them, that there was this great adventure that took place, but his mind is so made up before you're even out of the starting gate, that he has to cast us in the role of being the woo-woo types, you know. Right.
2: Well, that's all, well, anyway, I won't comment on that. But I do want to know, Paul, you know, before we go on, did Forey ever reveal to anyone anything about God or what life after death was like? Or was it mostly coincidental types of things that you're describing
0: now? Well, through the mediums, um, there was an Israeli medium, in particular who was extraordinary and uh, she wasn't told his full name of who i wanted to contact she wasn't told my name i was just there for a sitting and she brought through all of these things from Forrest. the main thing she said having to do with that uh, because she she came up with the fact that you know he was pretty much an atheist while he was alive and i said and what does he think now and she laughed and she said now he says it's all just so much bigger than he ever could have imagined.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. That's now, what she said. I have a question around that too and it follows on from Angel Rose's question there about what happens after. You mentioned earlier about the uh, the Ackerman, the play on words, you know, the A-C-K bit. Remember when yes. you were speaking about the...
0: Yeah, spectacular.
1: Yeah. 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 Now, he was like that when he was alive okay yes. but what I'm wondering is do you think from the research you've done and from knowing him that there is an additional intelligence available after death and and I want to ask I want to double up on that question by saying it, it appears from what you've saying you're saying and the evidence you've you've put forward that they can actually manipulate events, like for example, the license plate on the on that van you know four e f x like the amount of circumstances that would need to be manipulated in order to make that to happen to you guys on the way up to the crypt, yeah, like so do you think that there is this extra intelligence or this extra ability to maneuver reality
0: oh, good question yes, I do um. I, I can't say where it comes from but you know we've had the phenomenon of apports things that disappear and are never seen again yes. and uh, things that disappear and then reappear and then we've had phenomena with computers look Fari was no computer genius mm-hmm. you know when he's alive I mean he he would write on computers as an editor but um, some of the communication type things we've had happen uh, It's not things that would have been within his earthly knowledge necessarily, you know, when he was with us in the body. So it raises a lot of questions. I think it raises more questions than it answers. For example, one question is, does the personality of the person uh, after death uh, merge with Uh, A larger spirit that then reflects those aspects of that personality as though that they were still alive Mm. is and and, um, Because clearly his personality is coming through yes (laughs) Um, And yet there's a sort of an omnipotence to this I mean the the fact that that uh, I can after I spend a couple of hours talking about him to some friends and then get into my car and the music, by itself, switches from Bob Dylan to the Phantom of the Opera.
1: <laughs> you live a very exciting life there, Paul. Daniels. You
0: know, Ahano, uh, 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 Phantom of the Opera was definitely one of his favorite things. Yeah, I know. You know. Going back to the very first silent version of it, and then Lon Chaney, yeah. uh, his uh, dramatization of the role, he he adored and he revered Lon Chaney. Yeah. And and very coincidentally, my first job in Hollywood for five years was for the man, Paul Conner, who was for a while uh, engaged to um, Mary Philbin, who was the actress in that movie, uh, Phantom of the Opera with Lon Chaney, who pulls off his mask and reveals him. So there was that, I, you know, I worked for the man who was engaged to her. They didn't get married. But anyway, and then, uh, of course, came the great musical, the uh, the Phantom of the Opera. And that's what I'm hearing on my, uh, wow. my iPhone. So it's definitely like he's playing games with me. But, but you know, he, when I search for the Phantom of the Opera or Vampire Weekend, that other thing on my uh, iPhone, uh, I find it very hard to find them. You know, it, it, uh, mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't under the, the name Phantom of the Opera. You know, it was under uh, the composer's name and it was hard to find so how does a spirit, you know, interacting with an electronic device that's physical, how does a spirit do that? And uh, you know, we have absolutely no idea how these things happen. And of course, the skeptic is going to say, coincidence. Yes. Right. But by the time you've had, you know, more than 50 coincidences that all point to the same person communicating with you, it's too much. Yes. It's so, just too much.
2: So, so let me ask you, Paul, then, with all the correspondence from Forey, and I, one question is, uh, number one is, do they still occur in the same frequency as they did in the beginning? And number two, what is the, um, is there a theme to the messages? In other words, is there a reason, do you feel, that he's doing this other than to prove to you that he is indeed still alive after death? But are there any other sorts of uh, messages that come through that would give you a reason why the communication yeah. is still going on?
0: Yeah, it's interesting because uh, another one of the psychics, Catherine Yunt, who talked about the fact that, th- th- that this communication was just beginning and it was going to expand and that I wouldn't need a medium uh, and that... Uh, You know, I could always uh, get his opinion or point of view on things that were happening. Um, All right. So she said that. But what my experience was that some of these things that would happen would be as though they were giving me advice, Mm -hmm. uh, like a warning, like a warning uh, or a comment on what was happening uh, or, you know, some, I'm not going to be specific here, but, uh, you know, there might have been an occasion where I did something that I regretted. And afterwards I thought about it and I said, wish, I you know, wished I hadn't done that. And then Fari from the other side reinforces that <laughs> with a little incident that happens that says, yeah, yeah, you shouldn't have done that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yes. And he agrees. Right. Put your focus somewhere else. Or um, then there's the incidents with our ceiling fans. This is in the book, but when we remodeled our kitchen with beautiful remodeling and we have these two ceiling fans and lights attached to each of them. And we would find that sometimes they would turn on by themselves. And uh, He likes
2: electronics, doesn't he, huh? Yeah. yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, the things that have happened with my computer. Incredible. (laughs) And he likes masks. And he's moved masks across a room. Uh, some once in front of witnesses when a mask popped off a wall landed at my feet right at the punchline of a joke so that, <laughs> it's a joke that Fari would have loved and everybody everybody started laughing and they saw this huichol mask pop off the wall and go a few feet through the air over a lampshade and land at my feet oh my gosh Incredible. it's like a poltergeist thing yeah, or, right. or I want to tell you about the mask of his face uh, that I got at, in his uh, estate auction this mask had been in his Acker mansion for many many years and I kept it in a certain place hadn't moved it for like four years you know probably gathering dust in a room where I never opened the windows there's no wind there's nothing that moves anything in there and it's the very day that I hear that the sci-fi channel accepted uh, my film The Life After Death Project you know that they they aired in 2013 the very day I hear that I'm out of the house for a little while, there's nobody in the house, the door to my office is closed. I come back and the mask of Fari's face has moved eight feet across the room.
1: Oh, geez. Yeah. It's just,
0: the only thing that has moved.
1: Is that scary for you or do you believe I it, is- it? I love it. I love it.
0: I love it. Look, I loved Fari yeah. and he had such an influence on me yeah. and I think his sense of humor is wonderful. It's always tickled me. <clears throat> I love these, uh, times where I feel that he's, uh, checking in and that business with the mask of his face. That was just the beginning of what happened during that hour right. because, uh, my, my computer screens, I have two of them in the room where I'm editing film and that's where it was. And the computer shuts down by itself. And when I booted up, a folder is open on each screen that was not open before it shut down, and one folder is filled with articles about his magazine, Famous Monsters of Filmland, mm. and the other screen is filled with photos that I had of him.
2: <laughs> He's still got a bit of an ego, does
0: not he? <laughs> yeah. He always – he called it ego boo. <laughs> Yeah. He called a far east ego "boo," and why?
1: why
0: and it is, isn't it funny that the word "boo" is in that, like a ghost says "boo"? Yeah, boo. Yeah. <laughs> now,
1: now, speaking of boo, you see, most people, as you know, Paul, w- would have the idea that anything to do with the afterlife is scary. And from your experience of it now with your friend Florrie, it seems to be amusement and fun and frivolity and all that kind of thing, lighthearted and.
0: and oh, it's wonderful, yeah. and you see, there are times, Ohana, when I can be very depressed. Mm and I haven't heard from him in a while, and I'm thinking, gee, am I never gonna hear from him again? And then within an hour, something happens.
1: Right, yeah, yeah.
0: I was telling you about the ceiling fans. They would turn on by themselves, and yeah. we assigned one of them being the good news fan, and one of them being the <laughs> And we said, Fari, if, something, if there's good news happening, we should be happy. You know, if the check is coming in the mail, you know, turn on the good news fan. Yes, yeah. And if we need to watch our back, there's something we should be worried about, and be concerned turn on the bad news fan well Well, for you know a year and a half now the good news fan and the bad news fan have been turning on in pretty good synchronization with good and bad things happening in our lives and things that we didn't know at the time often Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. things we didn't we couldn't quite see around the corner let me Uh, ask you
1: paul because there's there's you know we're conscious of your time, and we've only yeah. so much time left on our program. And yeah. I, we've got so many questions we want to ask. And I want to squeeze in these ones in particular because I know our listeners will be very keen to know that in their own lives, our listeners' lives, in their individual lives, they would have parents, children, relatives all die. And some people will report some communications, but it would be mostly of a kind of a, a in their mind's eye or perhaps. They, they, they won't speak about incidences and synchronicities the way you have described them. Why do you think that most people who die and pass on don't communicate in the same way as Flory? Well,
0: it, it's possible that they're trying and they're not being noticed, right? right. Yes. Yes. I mean, how many people would have looked at the ink blot on that piece of paper and said, "Oh gosh, you know, how did that happen? Now I have to print it again and torn it up and thrown it away,
1: right?" right. Yes. Yes.
0: So it could be that they're not noticing, uh, or it could be that they're that the bond of love or connection between the two spirits isn't sufficient or at a level. Uh, but you know, you're also talking about relatives, where where a dear one has died, and you'd think that they would reach out, and mm-hmm. I, maybe not every spirit can. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I don't yeah. think
2: they can. But yeah, I do. You know, have, I do have oh, a lot of a, people. A, a quick,
0: a quick one, a quick yeah. one. I and I, I want to hear that, but I want to mention two other cases that impress me very much. Uh, I, I'd, I'd like for people to get an atheist in heaven. So I, I but but I'm going to briefly let you know about. Uh, two other things here, uh, projects. There's one called Heart Gifts by Suzanne Geisman, an extraordinary person who was in the Navy, was one of the, the, the top people, uh, president, joint chiefs of staffs meetings, and she has recounted very similar synchronicities, events, physical things to my Fari case in her DVD called Heart Gifts about a boy they called Wolf who died who was struck by lightning and the, you know, I have a hundred incidents with Fari. she probably has maybe close to that many with, with Wolf, uh, that's extraordinary. And then there's a book called Channeling Harrison, about channeling George Harrison by a wonderful musician named uh, David Young, who dated George Harrison's, I guess you would call her his stepdaughter, for a while, and then he began to feel that George Harrison was communicating with him and influencing his music in positive ways. And so he's written a book, and he has a books on tape about that. So uh, it's not always like a scary thing. It's often, in these cases, it's always the communication is a wonderful thing. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I'm always reminded of an old TV series. uh, When I was growing up, it was called Topper. Do you remember Topper? It's about uh, a, a guy who's living... With a uh, a deceased elderly couple who are ghosts, and you know they're they're on leaning against the banister of his stairwell, looking in on his life of what's happening in his living room, and they're always commenting on what's happening. So the show Topper was about you know friendly ghosts. Mm -hmm. The cartoon Casper, it was Casper the friendly ghost, Mm -hmm. right? So there's definitely this trend, uh, this tradition, Uh, angels. Is a tradition who sometimes save our lives mm-hmm, through yes. warning or physically saving a drowning person. We've heard those stories. Yes. Mm-hmm. So you know, fear of death is something to put aside. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just I know uh, now that we we go on after mm-hmm. we die. Now, what 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 that's all about? I don't know. I don't yeah. know. But the personality is still there,
1: right? Do you think, Paul, that there will come a time when that spirit would move on somewhere else?
0: Well, we're told that uh, in all the reincarnation studies, aren't we? That Mm -hmm. uh, spirit might dwell and continue to interact for a certain period of time and then comes a reincarnation, Mm -hmm. a rebirth. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, again, you can be skeptical, you can look at the evidence for that. I think it comes down to we don't really know but there's a lot of sort of case studies you can point to. Now whether Fari will ever stop this communication, you know what I'm concerned about? Let me just map it out here. Mm -hmm. On November 24th of this year, Fari will, that'll be his 100th birthday, right? And he always used to tell me and his other pals, I'm gonna live to 100 and then I'll check out. Mm -hmm. So when he died at 92, a lot of us would say in our conversations with each other gee you know what he shortchanged us eight years you know <laughs> right. but, yes you know and i i worry that his 100th birthday will come and then i won't hear from him again and i i want to hear from him i don't want this to stop but uh i i never know you know and it just seems like hmm could be and we're, we're thinking of the ways we're going to celebrate his hundredth birthday uh, uh now is something very
1: special
2: Yeah, I I do know through, you know, I I do Akashic Record readings myself and, and I have a lot of people who do want to know about relatives that have passed on or someone who died young. You know, I find that each spirit is in a very different place. And a lot of times there's not communication because they're in a healing place or at other times there's definitely communication and there are remnants of the personality, but You know, there's I don't think that people necessarily have to reincarnate when they're ready to learn again, because there's plenty of planes of existence that are huge universities that they go to. So but to me, it's a it's a I think it's easy to communicate with people who've passed on if you put your focus of attention there. And I think we just don't.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. But we also don't often have physical evidence of it, that things that we can take to a university and yes. say, study that's this. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And that's, that's what I want people to realize. Yes. That's what I bring to this discussion in a way that others don't. And uh, the, I think the book, An Atheist in Heaven, is important. And when people slam it on Amazon saying, oh, I, I don't believe this guy, it's just, you know, he – he's an amateur magician, it's just a magician's tricks. Well, Mm -hmm. it's not magician's tricks. It all happened, and I signed a sworn affidavit at the beginning of this, saying it's all true, and I meant it, I I mean it. I mean it as if it were testimony in a court. So, Mm -hmm. um, you can disregard comments like those about an atheist. Absolutely,
1: well we've been doing it for years because I myself have written a book called The Reincarnation of Columbus, and that was outlining Oh, you know, countless synchronicities, just like you've outlined. But I didn't approach it from a scientific perspective, which I'm delighted that you you've done, Paul. Because, as I say, it's very much necessary for the Western mind to grab this and really find that there is there is plenty of evidence available to prove that uh, this is a, a wonderful possibility. But unfortunately, we do have to come to a close. Let us tell our listeners that we've been speaking with Paul Davids who's the co-author of a book called An Atheist in Heaven and it has what was the what's the um, the subtext on it the ultimate evidence for life after death and yes and, to... and and
0: and ohana we do put a question mark after that You do we say yes we say the ultimate evidence for life after death as uh, we present it as a question and let the reader answer it. Yes. Do they think that it's I, the? I ultimate? think it's wonderful
1: that you've done that because it does leave that little possibility open for people's personal experiences. So we recommend people to get this book. We will put a link to Amazon for it. And also we'll put a link there too, if we can find it, the DVD you mentioned about Heart Gifts by Suzanne Geisman and the book Channeling Harrison by David Young. And well, course, and, and
0: also uh, the my uh, my film, The Life After Death Project, which yes. preceded this, An
1: Atheist in Heaven. Life After Death, indeed. No, The Life something? After Death,
0: uh, Ohano, The Life After Death Project. Project, yep. okay. okay.
1: And the other thing we do want to put in our diaries and watch out for is november twenty fourth, the hundredth birthday of Florrie to check to see if he will be checked.
2: We'll be calling you again, Paul.
1: <laughs> thank you. It's thank been you. an absolute pleasure, Paul. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. I enjoyed it. All the best. Bye-bye. Bye bye. 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 You have been listening to Angela
0: Rose and Ahanu on World of Empowerment Radio, your station for practical spirituality in a changing world.